if you believe in passionately what you're doing, you have to when it comes to making like big pivots like that. You know what I mean? Like there's no way that like I could do this stuff without being like, no, I, I know this is what we need to do. And I know this is what Stag needs to do to stay alive. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to an episode that is really going to put the emphasis on the happy hour side of manufacturing happy hour. We're going to be talking about B2B marketing lessons that can be learned from a B2C company. We're going to be doing this in the context of Stag Beer and the story of their rebranding. Now, if you don't know who Stag Beer is, don't worry. It's Stag, S-T-A-G, like, you know, talking about a deer. It's a regional beer in the St. Louis area. And you can think of it in the same vein as like a, a Pabst Blue Ribbon or something along those lines. We're going to be talking to Corey Smale, who is one of the best marketers that I know. In fact, he was on my other podcast, Pubcast Worldwide, a little over two years ago when he was in the process of opening a Chinese restaurant. So if you can't tell, Corey is not in the manufacturing sector, but similar to that roller coaster episode we just did a couple weeks ago, I think there are a lot of great lessons that can be pulled from the beverage industry in this case. So what are the three things that you can expect from today's show? Well, first, we're going to go over the Stag Beer brand. We're going to define what it was and what it has become and the things Corey has done over the past year to not only evolve the brand, but also get more mind share, market share, and ultimately drive sales growth. Second, there's going to be a killer example that Corey shares about user-generated content towards the middle of this episode. I hope you can follow along with this piece because we're pretty excited when we're talking about it and we jump around a little bit, but we're really going to highlight the value of UGC. Finally, we're going to leave you with some fantastic marketing takeaways for B2B brands. As I was counting throughout the episode, there are at least five big nuggets you can walk away with from this episode, and I will recap those at the end. But feel free to continue this conversation with us on social media if you grab some takeaways of your own. Before we get rolling, since we have been experimenting with the content of the show recently, bringing in some folks from different industries that manufacturing leaders can learn from, I'd love it if you left us a rating and review over at iTunes so we know how we're doing. You know, preferably a five-star rating and review, of course, but your feedback is really helpful. It lets us know what to include. In fact, this is the reason we've been doing some of these episodes that are pulling lessons from other industries. So know that your feedback is being heard. You can go to Manufacturing Happy Hour dot com slash iTunes to be taken straight to the Apple podcast platform. And with that, let's not waste any time jumping into this conversation. I wish I had a stag beer in front of me for this discussion, but nevertheless, I'm looking forward to getting you introduced to Corey Smale. Our guest today is a conductor of creativity. Having worked in the ad world as well as culinary entrepreneurial ventures ranging from donuts to Chinese food, Corey has been around the block when it comes to building brands and generating buzz. 
Now, he's the brand manager for Stag, and through his work with this iconic St. Louis area brew, he has just been named Marketer of the Year at Pabst Brewing Company. Ladies and gentlemen, Corey Smale. Good to have you on the show, Corey. Chris, great to be here, and uh, I appreciate that introduction. That was very nice, very kind of you. Not a problem. It has been too long since you and I grabbed a beer almost two-plus years ago when you were first on uh, Pubcast Worldwide. Just so folks know how to connect with you, you can find out more about Stag Beer at stag-beer.com or on their Instagram or Twitter. It's at Stag Beer, all one word, Stag Beer. So just to get some baseline, I feel like Stag is one of those kind of of the same level of like a PBR or Rainier or a Lone Star, one of those like regional, I don't want to peg it as a hipster beer, but you know. Can you give us some quick history on the Stag beer itself for people that aren't familiar with it? Yeah, so uh, Stag, much like those other beers that you mentioned and brands um, and a bunch more brands like that really are like regional beer brands, often like deep rooted in history and heritage of the city or the state or the region really where they're from. Um, PBR kind of being the overarching like nationwide, worldwide brand, but um, mm-hmm. Stag is the is the St. Louis, you know, Southeast Illinois, South, you know, Southern Missouri. Um, at one time, you know, it was in 22 states and right now it's in three. So okay. it's an interesting brand in the sense that like, there's a lot of familiarity around the brand inside and outside of its own market, just because it's kind of been in people's lives. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In places where you can't technically get it right now. And so we get a lot of like, messages or requests all the time when people are like, Oh, I remember Stag, you know, but like they can't get it now. So Pabst owns Stag and a, and a handful of brands that are kind of in that same position where it's like, well, how do we kind of reposition, you know, grow these brands? Like I said, kind of consistently through culture, through community, you know what I mean? And in a new way, that's kind of what Stag is doing. I assume that'll probably kind of be the primer for a lot of what we'll talk about in terms of the marketing efforts there. But um, that's also kind of, like I said, the overarching strategy of Pabst as a company is to kind of see that really hyper locally, but then also nationwide and worldwide. Absolutely. I, you know, talking about the contributions to culture, I'm, I'm excited to dive into all of that. You know, one of the and, and just so people are, you know, since this is a podcast and we're not necessarily um, doing this on video for folks that are curious, uh, Stag refers to like a deer. Just so people like it's it's kind of had almost this like woodsy outdoorsy look for many, many years of a very anatomically correct deer on the can up until a year ago. Would you say that's accurate in describing what uh, what stag used to look like? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think stag still looks like that in a lot of ways. I mean, um, about a year ago, the right before I was actually brought on to work on the brand, um, there was a huge rebrand with the logo and the deer and Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I mean, I would say definitely controversial to say the least. You know? <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. I think it's in a lot of ways, it's the disruption though, that the brand kind of desperately needed realistically speaking. So my job was like, all right, make this cool, you know? And so yeah. I've been trying to do that for about a year. And honestly, what I kind of quickly realized early on was like the logo I say that the, you know, the new, the old logo is still very much a part of the brand. Like I think I, I shared it on our Instagram stories more today than I did our new logo. That's because like our new commercials that we have, have old signs in them from 
a guy, mm-hmm. a local dude here at Stag Bobby, our friend uh, Rob Girardier, and uh, he's got the world's largest stag collection. So it's interesting. Like, so yeah, the, the can has like changed. They added two, we've got two new beers now, a third in the spring and mm-hmm. just like a lot of stuff, but um, a huge rebrand. And I assume that's what, a lot of what we'll talk about today, but a brand that was 169 years old and they got a dramatic facelift in uh in the in the new century in the in the well in 2019 so um yeah. yeah there's a lot to dig into there um around the marketing the branding let's get some baseline on it first let's say it's a sunny day back in St. Louis Missouri right now let's say you and I are kicking it there on the back patio at Venice Cafe and uh, someone comes up and asks you, it's like, you know, Corey, what is the stag brand all about? How would you, what would you tell them stag represents today? Uh, I think stag is like, you know, hopefully anyway, authentically and consistently kind of connected to, I would say multiple cultures, you know, multiple communities that have and continue to support our brand forever, really. Um, you know, we made a commercial last year for like Hulu and Netflix, not even for like channel three or four or five, you know what I mean? It's not even on, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not even <laughs> on you know, terrestrial television. It's on like connected TV. But uh, before that we hadn't had one in like 60 years, you know, so over half of a century. So the brand was like kind of lapsed in its communication for a long time. So my interpretation of what the stag brand right now should be is like I said, connected to, the communities and cultures, I'll say those words a lot today because I think those are kind of like the pillars of what we're trying to do as a brand. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, authentically connecting to the ones that have supported us for a long, long time, like I said, the history and the heritage, but then also trying to create and um, help better define like what the next uh, generation of like stag beer drinkers looks like. You know, do they like light beer? Yeah. So we should work on that. Do they also like heavier, you know, ABV beers? Yeah. Do they like FMBs, you know what I mean? Apple flavored things, you know, they like, you know, people like seltzer, like, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's my job with Stag right now is to like, just get it in tune with what's happening, you know, and um, where the world's going, not just from a beer brand, but I also think from like a culture brand. Well, you mentioned you were doing a commercial and, and I've got to give you kudos. I've seen some of the ads that you've done over at Stag, oh, like, you know, there's like a, I'll, I'll paint a quick picture of one of the ones that I love that you did. It's like a campaign. I think it was like the official sponsor of this is exactly what it was called. And it would pan through like a club where a band was warming up before they take the stage and mm-hmm. had some pretty cool shots of the beer cans and the process. And, you know, really it, it kind of had that every man, every event type feel like, wow, this is the beer that I'm having before like the band kicks off on stage at my favorite corner bar that's uh that's the vibe i got there you know so long story short i'm saying i've seen you do some really cool stuff with the brand over the past year yeah you also mentioned you also mentioned that they already had some plans for the brand when you jumped on board that you kind of had to sync up with since Mm -hmm. we have a lot of b2b leaders that Mm -hmm. listen to this show and you know a lot of people see the sexy stuff that ad folks do and that marketers do. Can you take me through the steps that you went through to really understand where the brand was and where they wanted it to go before you started putting content to the camera? Because I'm sure there's some legwork behind there before you start doing the flashy stuff. For sure. I think that's a great question. I think, you know, most important for me to understand, and I think 
most important to what keeps this whole business and industry going and has and will through all this, you know, is uh, relationships for real. And so it was, you know, beer doesn't get delivered. It doesn't get to your hands or the bar or anything without distributors, you know, and that's like a huge, huge part of, of our world, you know, that, like that relationship is like critical, you know, and we have multiples. So just like, you know, all brands do. And so that was something that was kind of like the first thing for me to understand is like, well, before we start saying what the brand is and could be and should be and all that, you know, let us just at least let us, let us really take a deep dive and understand what that is, what the brand is now and has been for, you know, a while, which I love doing. It's like real life immersions into not only relationships, but communities like bars on backcountry roads in like Jackson, Missouri, you know what I mean? And like, um, and then at the same time, like convenience marts and like, you know, uh, North city, you know what I mean? And like understanding where the brand exists, how wide that net is and how, and how that, I guess also directly kind of impacts the distributor who serves, you know, not only that customer, but like those neighborhoods and all that. So that was a big deal for me at first, you know, and upfront and it's still kind of a thing that continues to like be a guiding light for me is that relationship and like that nurturing of the brand, both between the brands and then they obviously like the creative agency and the people helping there, but, and then also the distributors. I mean, there's so many partners that it takes to keep something like this, not only going, but I think like progressing, especially right now, you know? So that's a big thing is like, is relationships. I would say first and foremost, at least in this industry, I've recognized. So, and you know, in most, I should say in all industries, <laughs> um, but uh, that's like the first and foremost. And from there, it's like, I have like insights and ideas as to what works, you know what I mean? What, what could really connect this brand to, I think like an audience that wants to be connected to it, you know, but all that all can't just come from the sleeve or like from like some general, like my general emotions toward it. I definitely want to understand the insights of like, our biggest partners and what's at stake for them if we go and do like giant changes and like what that looks like. So yeah, that's a big one. Well, one thing that well, actually two things that jump out about that when you talk about relationships and I think for B2B folks, this is really going to resonate is that the first thing you talked about with the relationships was like your distribution channel and the people that are yeah. getting the beer from the brewery into the hands of your customer. And the second relationship you were talking about was your customer. I like that you emphasized both of those, like the, you know, whether that's in, you know, rural Missouri or urban St. Louis, you highlighted both of those. And it's understanding both of those markets where, uh, where a brand like stag goes. And it's, it's many more than that. I just kind of represent those two as like, for sure. Of the spectrum, you know, but that, that brings up another question that, that you've hinted at a little bit as, as we've been going through this, you talk about brands having a contribution to culture. You really highlight the culture in a lot of the things we've talked about so far. What does it mean where brands contribute to culture in that regard? And how does that play into your work? I mean, this is a really like delicate thing to pull off and also discuss. So I'm going to be like kind of careful about the way I even talk about this because understood it can just be so false. You know what I mean? What I think stag is doing and has, has been doing is like I said, being really authentic and being really consistent. And that's from like getting to know artists, you know, music, visual, but also getting to know like, like I said, like hometown bars, people that have represented the brand that aren't like 
Instagram influencers. <laughs> like, I don't mm-hmm. know stuff. Like, you really got to look at like a brand in this day and age. It's like, what is culture? You know what I mean? It's it's a lot of things. You know what I mean? I, I, when I say that, I don't mean just like the coolest shit. I I don't think that that like I think that sometimes like our hipster crowd like feeds off of when we do show them like that we're about to sponsor a competitive pulling tractor in like, uh, you know what I mean? Like South, I forget the city it's from. I'm forgetting. I think Shelbyville. And like they, it, I think the brand needs to make that look as cool as like the hip hop and hardcore show that we're going to have in July again. You know what I mean? Like, or that we're going to have yeah. Sunday, I should say this summer likely well who knows about this summer but we did last summer sometime in the future <laughs> that's the culture to me is like understanding like who are the customers like where does the potential of that even go and then making sure when you highlight that that it's like kind of equally represented or at least all represented so um another thing i think is like and i'm trying to it will be a big part of our uh, foundation for the the upcoming year and hopefully to follow years to follow with the brand is like to have like a philanthropic arm or just some sort of extension, you know, because of COVID this year and all that happening, we were had, you know, there was an opportunity for us to partner with my good friend, Sean Boltzell and also the park central development and um, the Grove neighborhood and put together a 501 C three good for the Grove.org. Um, and that raised, as we're recording this, like $23,000 in the last couple months for people of industry affected by that. So I think that that was like easy for us, not easy, but it was like, that felt natural to do at that time. And I don't want it to just be like COVID necessary to do things like that moving forward. So as I'm like, we're about to put out a little photo book with this dude, Harry Boston, who's this kid who was like just driving around South city during like the first few weeks of quarantine throwing stags to like people on their porch. And he's like an industry dude knows tons of people and like also capturing their photo and sharing on Instagram. I don't know. That's like a cool thing in itself. I could talk about that, but just, he like reached out to us. He's like, I ran out of beer. He sent me a DM. I was like, what's your Venmo? Like, we'll take care of you. You know what I mean? Like, um, (laughs) it's just cool that we can like work with like relationships like that. I think that that speaks to like that we are connecting in a real like authentic way. But going back to it, that book, we're about to put that out. I think we can give like three or four bucks from each one sold to uh, Good for the Grove. I just feel like everything we do needs to have something like that attached to it. You know what I mean? And it doesn't need to be overt or in your face or like a constant reminder that we're like doing good for the community. But I think we need to, I think what all this is like really brought to light in my opinion and like been a really constant reminder is that we need to serve the people that serve our brand and our beer and our business um, every day. You know what I mean? It's kind of our turn now, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I, lo- I, uh, I want to ask you about the community connection you brought up there. But first, uh, that that book you were talking about, because you highlighted a campaign that I'm familiar with that uh, not everyone might might know. So the individual that Venmoed you or that you Venmoed for the beer, he yeah. worked with you on a pretty cool campaign where you were like, this is I think this was during quarantine. You were yeah. throwing you were driving around the city throwing beers. Oh, he was. Yeah. He was. We were okay. connected with it. He was oh, no way. organically. So this is something someone else did. Content. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So we we need to dig into this because we just, like, jumped I, in the brand. 
Yeah, I didn't realize that that was user generated content because oh, yeah, no, like he like was doing that, and I kept getting tagged in all these videos because it's like all these bartenders, like people are kind of. I mean, honestly, like a lot of people out of work right now, just chilling on their porch. At least we got the weather. At least we got cold beer, you know. And like this dude, Harry knows everybody's driving around town, throwing beers, taking a portrait of people, and so it was cool. It was like fun and crazy, and then also like kind of uh endearing you know like taking a portrait of someone is like you know it's kind of a nice thing and so we put out this crazy video we helped him buy some more beers he kept doing it for a few weeks like we put up the website stagportraits.com it's just a link to a dropbox with all the photos and videos and everything and now we're putting out like a printed uh there'll be 100 copies of like a printed photo book which would be cool Wow, that is cool. So uh, just just to paint paint the pictures for the, the folks on here. Yeah, this is a video where this individual who's creating the content just because he wants to, because um, he likes the brand so much, he's basically driving around throwing beers at people on their porch. There's some rock music playing in the background. It's pretty cool, pretty professionally done. Um, and, you know, it really had a good, you know, we're all in this together, almost quarantine vibe because you're throwing it to people on their porch. It's not like they're out hanging out at a bar or anything. You know what I think um, represents to me more than anything is that like the best ideas come from users now. Like an agency couldn't have thought of that. They could have, but they didn't. And I didn't yeah. either. You know what I mean? I think that like if you really want to crush it with your brand, like make your customers be so about it that they're like, oh, we'll do content for you. You know what I mean? Like we'll, you know. Like that dude, we earned, it could have been another beer, a brand that he yeah. picked, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Stag earned their spot, which is so sick. And so it's like, I don't know. I think that's like a big part of it. It kind it, as a marketer, it like selfishly, it makes my job easier. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. How can I help yeah. you do that? You know? Um, Absolutely. Then I from there, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll have Jordan, my homie, like do the video and like, hey, we should do a photo book. And so- this kid serves up a great idea that then we can take and be like, let's do this and this and this with it too. So just really like a beautiful thing. If that like is my career, dude, that's what I need to be doing. Like that's perfect. <laughs> I, I am going to link up to that video, that photo book in the show notes so that anyone that wants to Ooh. check that out after this can, uh, can take a look at that. I'm glad we went into that story before I ask my next question, because I want to make sure we give some actionable advice for the B2B leaders that are out there listening to this. Like, how do you connect with your community in that regard? You talked about creating content that's authentic and also very important, consistent, Mm -hmm. but how do you, how do you create that connection with your community, your user base, whatever we want to call it, that results in incredible engagement like that? Um, well, I mean, the engagement thing's tricky. I don't, you know, I'm still trying to figure that out and trying to like grow this, like, you know, we're a big brand, but like, we're not like Bud Light big, you know what I mean? Like, we're still like trying to figure out that we're going to grow. We want to be in 22 States again. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of stuff we want to do. So I'll say that that is a continuous challenge, but I, to answer the kind of the, the former part of that question, you know, I don't know. I think like a lot of the con, I always put things through my own lens in a lot of ways. Like if it's an idea, if it's a campaign, if it's a concept, if it's a tweet, if it's an Instagram caption, I'm like, do I think that that's, am I interested in this? Is that challenging? Mm-hmm. Funny? Is it, is it getting to the emotion that I'm trying to evoke with it? Is it making me do that? 
And if like, sometimes like if I'll laugh at my own thing, I'm like, then this is going to be good. You know what I mean? Or if I'm writing something more emotional, I'll be like, okay, I was feeling that. You know what I mean? Like that's probably going to resonate better than, I don't know. You know what I mean? I've said this for since the dawn of social media, (laughs) but there's always always so much brand speak. You know what I mean? And like people, Mm -hmm. brands talking like robots to robots. And I'm like, I think people want to talk like people to people. And so that's that's it i mean and there's you know i mean you look at like burger king and whataburger and <laughs> surely there's other brands that are just burger brands that are crushing it on twitter but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the way that they can get away with like almost just like clowning all the time you know it's like kind of yeah cool because it's like i think that's what people want so a little bit of everything to answer that question but still figuring out how to continue to captivate entice excite grow an audience you know but i know that a big part of it is is i guess the putting it in, in my opinion just like i said putting it through that lens to make sure like i'm i'm interested in, in it or inspired by it or whatever i'm getting to try to do i need to make sure it works on me first yeah you're you're putting yourself in the community shoes and the customer shoes yeah and I, don't use any, I don't use any like apps or anything. I should say that for like the social media. Like I, I know there's like, there's whole industries being made about how to do this the other way. You know what I mean? I've just always done it. Like I just know when it's right to communicate or what to communicate or how from the brand. That's just like an intuition thing. You, you definitely have a natural knack for this as, as your track record displays. Um, another thing you mentioned was the people to people aspect too. I think that's something, especially for B2B brands to yeah, consider. Like, for still- sure. I, think, I mean, like I see B2C brands failing miserably at that, you know, I, I'm sure B2B brands also have significant challenges if that's the case. I mean, this is something people are starting to pick up on more and more these days is that with B2B and B2C, it's still people of people. Like you have to market to the individual that's, you know, scrolling through their phone on Instagram, you know, thinking like you said, putting yourself in their shoes, being like, does this work on me? Would this work on me? And then, you know, translating that to what you do with uh, with the Stag brand. For sure. We'll be right back, right after a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Concept Systems, who you can find at conceptsystemsinc.com. Concept Systems is an independent systems integrator and your automation solution partner for anything from antiquated control system retrofits to greenfield controls coordination and project management. Whether it's process or discrete control, Concept Systems has been doing this for over 20 years. They've partnered with best-in-class companies like Rockwell Automation and Fnook to conceptualize, design, and build automation systems that include everything like robotics, vision systems, and manufacturing intelligence solutions. Personally, I've been familiar with Concept Systems for a couple years now, and I have to say I'm a huge fan of the amazing team they have over there. With national presence across the U.S., they have application experience in more than just a few industries, including food and beverage, aerospace, automotive, building products, and metals, just to name a few. If you have a project coming up requiring an automation solution partner or even a main automation contractor, head over to conceptsystemsinc.com and get in touch. They take an extremely methodical risk-mitigating approach to project management that allows you to hit your project timelines and keep focusing on your core business. Oh, 
And if you want to hear a bit more about Concept Systems, make sure to check out Episode 7 of Manufacturing Happy Hour, which is our panel discussion on smart manufacturing, featuring Concept Systems' very own Director of Sales and Marketing, Ryan Wasmond. And now, back to today's episode. couple other questions kind of from that that b2b perspective i love how you brought up gosh it's probably 10 minutes ago at this point but you talked about how you were trying to think of how to make a tractor look cool like it's easy to make something look cool when it's in like a hip-hop rock and roll type setting you know yeah. that's almost the layup right there yeah but i especially in in the b2b space i think an excuse i hear a lot of leaders and people in this industry in general make is that oh well we're b2b like our stuff isn't cool like that we can't make our stuff look cool so no i want to i think that's it's not it's not as it's not as intuitive to make it cool or interesting or exciting but certainly it can be because like people talk about apple as like the when they reference the coolest brands in the world and that's just a computer company you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like yeah, people like, well, it's a marketing company. Well, yeah, it's that. But, like, it was, like, literally just a computer company. It kind of always, you know, and in my opinion, when it was, like, at its coolest, it really was just that. You know what I mean? They had figured out how to, like, put one in your pocket, like, with some headphones attached to it. But, like, it's always been that, you know? And so, but it's like, and, you know, people say Apple and Nike. And I get that Nike is because it's like, oh, you get to sell sneakers. That's cool. But, and I also think, like, if you can do good work in those areas, you could probably like win some cool awards and stuff. I doubt there's like that much competition. True. Like, true. Like a sound investment to be like, yo, let's just like invest in some like crazy ideas. Like, we'll get some like credibility and awards and recognition. And then like, then you like use that and you get more business. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of a crazy idea, but um, certainly it can be done. Geico, you know, like that's insurance mm-hmm. raising and everyone knows it. You know, like, it's so. I don't know, Zappos, shoes, you know, I mean, I'm re- these are like industry titans for sure, but I have referenced them because it's like, there's a reason for that, you know, and at the core of their business, it's like their logistics companies, their technology companies, they're, you know, kind of everything, but like what you think of them immediately as Zappos isn't in the shoe business, you know? Well, I think Simon Sinek is an author that's written a book called Start With Why. And to go to one of your examples with Apple, he talks about the reason people gravitate to the brand so much is the brand isn't about computers. The brand goes back to why they do what they do as a company. Mm -hmm. They want to disrupt the status quo Mm -hmm. with cutting edge technology and people gravitate towards that you know, that rebellious edge. It's it's interesting to say that Apple is, you know, might still maintain some of that rebellious edge compared to what they had in the 80s to now where they're about as mainstream as it gets. But the reality is that's what people think of it. There's something yeah. independent about using an Apple computer. And that's something that they did so well with the brand decades ago that people still remember today, it seems like. Yeah, even with like blue iPhones, you know what I mean? It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. You got it. Well, looking looking through this, I want to hear about some of your lessons as well that hopefully translate to some lessons for the folks that are listening. Your career has been anything but linear. I mean, you've always been a master at creating buzz and marketing. You were with Strange Donuts for a while, and then you were running Good Fortune, and then you decided to shut down Good Fortune, focus on some side projects, and ultimately it led you to what you're doing now, 
with Stag. Can you take us through that that story as to why you wanted to create that career change? And then we'll talk about some of the lessons you're pulling from it after that. Sure. I think it's important to rewind a little bit before all that, even just to give some more perspective, because I've kind of always been in the marketing business and the business of like building brands. Um, mm-hmm. And that stems from just like being a kid and like growing up, like, like I love pro wrestling. Almost everybody knows that about me. I think like WWE, <laughs> when I was a kid particularly, is like some of the best marketing in the world. You know what I mean? And so I was like really in tune and addicted to it almost from a very young age. Um, but my whole career has been rooted in it basically in brand building and like, like I said, like culture creating or harvesting or whatever you want to say. But, um, I worked, you know, in a, you know, in a couple of agencies, a handful of them as a writer when I first got out of school. So that's like come up with ideas, getting really good at selling other people's stuff. You know what I mean? And then I kind of, the entrepreneurial part of me, that's kind of always been a part of me since I was a kid. Also, I moved back to st louis and tapped into that a little bit and yeah and opened this donut store that was really like a marketing agency you know what i mean in disguise as a donut store for a while which was really cool and uh i knew that and that it was amazing it, it really kind of put me my me and my name at least locally here regionally if you will on the map so that was tremendous um i then opened a restaurant after that kind of the same thing like really beautiful like well-branded and uh, it was different than the donuts and that it was like a, just a much more was required of the execution to pull off like a great restaurant than to pull off like a pretty good donut store. So mm-hmm. I think that um, I've always been in, but what's kind of been, I would say like flawless throughout all of these is the brands, you know what I mean? Even when the executions aren't all the way, like the branding, the aesthetic, the feel, the contribution, if you will, has always been really, you know, high level. That's like the thing I take a lot of most pride in. So after the restaurant was forced to, I mean, was, you know, I was forced to close it. Um, it really kind of made me also then think about what I want to do and what I do well, you know, and that's really get to the core root of the brand and the brand building. So I was approached with this opportunity to work on yeah. After the restaurant, I was doing a handful of like freelance things just for, mm-hmm. for connections I knew and that last I don't know I was doing that for a few months we did an art show throughout the summer I helped my friend's coffee company kind of reintroduce in a little bit just you know stuff to kind of like throw at for like 30 60 90 days um mm-hmm. I want to do something a little bit more serious a little bit more permanent a little more full-time but I also wanted to be on my terms so a very like rare opportunity approached me that being with Pabst they're in California. I'm obviously not. Um, Stag is regional to here. They want to do something really radical with it, totally change it. They need someone who knows the city, who knows the region, who knows the culture, what works, what doesn't. It was just a really beautiful opportunity. It was going to take up a bunch of my time and it has, you know, but I think that that's, there's a direct representation of that in the work that we've done too. So that's been very cool. It's been very blessed. Um, it's back to working on brands. You know, I used to work on McDonald's and Coca-Cola and now I work on Paps, except I used to be on the agent or on the agency side as creative and now I'm on the brand side. So it's really crazy, man. My perspective, I've been an entrepreneur, I've been an agency creative, and now I've been a brand manager. So my I'm so seeing it from a, a few angles, which it's been a wild ride admittedly you know i'm i'm only i mean i feel old but i'm only 35 
I mean, we've done a lot of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I've kind of, I feel like, I hope anyway, <laughs> that the roller coaster is now kind of at a point where it's like, see, this is kind of it. Like it's about these brands and now I'm working on the biggest one I've ever messed with, you know? Yeah. And it's also on a path to where it could lead me to bigger brands, you know? So, and have a bigger direct impact and influence on them, which is beautiful, you know? So man, it's just, it's been a good, it's been a wild ride, but it's, it's, it's been rewarding. And I feel like I'm in a good spot with this. I feel like I've worked, I've been working really hard, but I also feel like I've been taken care of really well. So I'm very proud of Stag, very happy to work with and for Pabst. And uh, we also, there's also like, you know, little stuff comes and goes, little opportunities, kind of like the stuff I talked about that I was doing kind of more uh, when the restaurant closed, that stuff kind of always comes and goes. There's mm -hmm. other opportunities to help with friends, do interesting things. I'm always down with that too. Um, but I really like where Pabst and where Stag is headed because it's the most challenge I've ever been as a marketer. Um, and it really does require me to tap into a lot of the stuff I've learned. So, wow, a lot in that story there. One thing that really jumped out at me was when you were talking about the donuts, where it was really an ad agency disguised as a donut company. And I think that's something that a lot of B2B leaders, really any marketer, can take to heart in that knowing that you need to act like you're an ad agency, like act like you know a con you're a content creation house, because I think that's what people miss, especially in this day and age where that's more required of marketers. And huge insights that you provided there as well, learning that execution's different from a restaurant to a donut shop to an ad agency, but that you were able to identify that you're awesome at marketing. That's the common Thanks. thread. You do that really well over and over and over again. So, I mean, is there any other big lesson that you've learned after being back at Stag now for a year in that role? What's something that you've really taken away from it? Well, specific to this role, it's forced me to just be a better businessman. And that's an understanding like what works behind the scenes, you know, big business is done in percentages. I've always been so emotional with my marketing. <laughs> it's like a diary, you know, yeah. and it works, you know, uh, but I'm at a scale now with a business this size that I'm, I'm the one in control of staff. You know what I mean? If it fails, like a lot of that's on me. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, yeah. Um, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. And so I have to get really, really good at like accessing and understanding the other side of my brain with the sales and the numbers. And I can't just be like, hey, you should buy into this idea because it's dope. <laughs> that's a great that's a great even way to describe it. <laughs> even yeah, they're always dope. They're always dope. But it's got to be like and we, you know, like with Stag, it's like we can say like I think the first time in nine years last year it made money. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, that is aligning it with business right there. We're trying. Like we have, we have, we want to increase our awareness next year. Next year from one percent to five percent. That's some like inside baseball stuff. But like, we are not as top of mind. We'd like to be five times more so next year. So when I present the idea, it needs to be dope. But yeah. I also need to be able to say, hey, our refreshment is up 5%, which is big. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For an old brand. When you think of Stag, a lot of people think of like 
grandpa. That's like the next word they think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's what I thought of it for years. But we have a great beer that's fresh, you know? So it's like, we have some work to do. But uh, that's like the biggest takeaways. A, just that like, when you're an entrepreneur and you're like, well, I'm paying the bills, like with my own idea, you're kind of, at least I was personally, I had got to a point where I was like, well, I know what, what I need to know to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And with this man, I'm always with Pabst, like working with a bigger company on with people that are just super duper smart and experienced. Uh, I feel like I'm always, always learning. And I feel like I'm never like, and I don't want to be like comfortable, you know, it's always like, okay, I need to, I need to know more about that. Okay, cool. And this, and I feel like I can tap into what I know as a marketer and some of that experience. And it can like not buy me time, but it's like, it evens the score a little bit while I'm learning. I'm like, making shots you know so it's it feels like the right thing to be doing i love the alignment of creativity or as you phrased it dope ideas with the business metrics that's huge i think yeah, that's, I think that's uh, it man i think that like, if i can take that from this experience you know and and, and have said i've worked on you know a really big brand for like when my opinion the coolest beer brand in the world you know what i mean like mm-hmm. That's sick. If I can say that, then like this, this whole experience, not only for the brand, for me, but for just everything is going to be cool. So that's something that I, I just couldn't say a few years ago, though, even when I had a really successful donut operation going. So, man, I don't know. I don't, and I don't know where I'll do what I'll do after this. I don't know how long I do this. I mean, I have all intentions. If I'm going to keep learning, if it's like this, I want to keep it good. I don't have a, you know what I mean? There's no end game right now for me. Well, you've given us some great actionable advice so far from and I'm speaking on behalf of the folks that are that are listening to this. I'd love to leave them with one more piece of thought sure. because I think this is really critical for B2B is courage. You know, you've done some creative things with the brand. You've been part of the brand reimaging for what you said was a 169-year-old brand. Yeah. How do you take the courage to go through that process and execute on radical ideas that two years ago, three years ago, would have never been associated with the brand? Because I think that's what a lot of people listening are probably thinking right now for themselves. Yeah, I mean, you just got to – it's interesting, and I hope it's not the same answer as what I gave you earlier, but it's like, do I believe in this? You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's the biggest thing is like, if you believe in passionately what you're doing, you have to, when it comes to making like big pivots like that, you know what I mean? Like, there's no way that like, I could do this stuff without being like, no, I, I know this is what we need to do. You know what I mean? Um, and I know this is what stag needs to do to stay alive and to stay relevant and to potentially grow, which is a real feat in this world, you know what I mean? For like old ass brand like this to like kind of come back. It's, it could be, you know, it could be miraculous. So I think that I've committed to and believe in a lot of the ideas that we've kind of come up with and put in place so much that, like I said, if that belief wasn't there, they wouldn't even get done half the time, you know? So Mm. I think that it's really important to, again, it's like, it's kind of like the last answer, but it's a little different in that, like, that amount of belief and passion is going to be necessary to get it done. 
I love that. Well, I think for, uh, you know, for B2B marketers, find like it, it goes back to finding the right person for your team before it even gets into, you know, the brand itself. You need to have right. someone. Actually, I think that I shouldn't say that the two go hand in hand. You need to have the brand and then you need someone that believes in it and yep. is incredibly passionate about it. So, Absolutely. well, we're, we're getting to the end of our interview and man, I wish we were back in STL having a uh, a proper drink on the back patio, the Royale down uh, down where I'm originally from in South City. Um, by the way, every every name drop that we do for these bars, I always throw in the show notes. So if you're thirsty in the in, in the St. Louis area, you'll know where to grab a drink and hopefully find some stag beer as well. Yes, sir. <laughs> Corey, what's one question you wish I would have asked you that I haven't? <laughs> uh, I don't wish, but I was for sure we were gonna like the 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 good fortune thing was going to be like heavier or something like that. But I don't know, man. I think that like I really, like I, I, I come to it from a very peaceful and confident space as to where I'm at exactly right now, even amongst like the craziness, you know, I mm-hmm. know I'm doing what I need to be doing more than I've ever felt before, even though the world's upside down. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy feeling, you know? So uh, I, I don't know. Um, we didn't talk about, about wrestling really, which, you know, <laughs> I, I, I know you love wrestling and I, I appreciate people that love wrestling. I just don't know anything okay, about I'm it. I'm wearing but... a Descendants shirt. You didn't, and we didn't know about That's true. You are wearing a punk rock shirt. I did notice that and I had fully intended to mention that. So thank you for bringing it up. <laughs> My wish was fulfilled. Yeah, I think. I think one of the reasons I um, appreciate wrestling so much is I'm so, as you know, I'm very into punk rock and I feel like that obsession with punk rock kind of mirrors the obsession people have with wrestling. There's there's a crossover between those demographics. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, this is a lot of fun. And, and like, like you mentioned about that, that good fortune um, comment, which was the name of your, your Chinese restaurant for anyone that, that didn't catch that yet. I mean, you, you, you said your marketing has been like a diary in the past. and You've always been very transparent about your experiences and the things yeah. you do. Yeah. And, and I should give a shout out to a show you do called Supergiant World. Um, or you have you have a podcast as well. I do. That, I correct? do. Sometimes I'm inconsistent. Sometimes I'm very consistent, though. So <laughs> I recommend tuning in, and uh, who knows what phase we'll be in. Yeah, if you, I was going to say, Corey and I could talk for a very long time. He's been on uh, one of my podcasts before, Pubcast Worldwide. So this is the second time. I appreciate going down this avenue, though. It's kept the conversation kind of formatted and structured, and. And kind of uh, with an audience in mind. And I also would like to say that I'm very interested in the B2B world. I really, I think the challenges of it are like beautiful. I think that it, it could be very thought provoking. And so if anyone listening or, or you know anyone that's like wants to just talk more about this, that's a conversation I'd be definitely like interested in having. Because as I've learned more so this last year than ever before, like when I get to the challenge of learning something new that I'm interested in, it's cool, man. It's like it fires up more cylinders. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, I'll make sure to provide links to connect with you to keep that conversation going as well. Talking more about B2B. Corey, it's been awesome having you on the show today. It was good catching up again. Good to see you, Chris, man. Hang in there, dude, and uh, appreciate you having me on. Sounds like a plan. And for those of you listening, we'll catch you again next time. All right. That episode was stacked. We could have name dropped St. Louis bars all day long. 
If you want to learn about any of the bars that we were talking about, should you find yourself in the St. Louis area, if you want to check out Corey's podcast, Super Giant World, if you want to learn more about Stag Beer, if you want to listen to the episode of Pubcast Worldwide that I did with Corey from a long time ago. If you want to dive into any of these resources that I've just been rattling off, make sure to go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 19, that's 1-9, to access the show notes for episode 19. Anyway, that was a fun conversation, a lot to be pulled from it, and I promised at the start of the episode that I would give you my own personal recap on some of the takeaways from marketing leaders. So I'm going to give you five that I drew from this conversation. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. So the first takeaway I pulled was that when you are focused on your marketing efforts, make sure you understand your relationships with your partners and your customers before diving into creating content so that way it's reflective of those relationships. Second thing is being consistent. I'm not going to dive into this too much because having some consistent framework, whether that's weekly, daily, whatever it is, make sure you're getting out there often so that your customers don't forget about you. The next, and we talked about this in depth in the middle of it, but user-generated content. If you can create a brand where you're inspiring that type of work created by your customers and partners, leverage the heck out of that because that is something, one, that you don't need to create at that point, but it really almost has that referral-style mentality where it's like, hey, someone else is doing this for our brand, so your customers will likely think, there must be something about these folks that I need to check out. Fourth, align business objectives with content. So key, really cool that that was one of the lessons Corey has been learning while with the Paps Brewing Company serving the Stag brand. And then finally, the fifth thing I pulled from this was being courageous with a brand requires passion. If you are not sold on what you're doing, if you are not absolutely crazy in love with what you're doing, it's going to be hard to go that extra mile to create content that really drives user engagement, really drives sales. So make sure you're looking for that as you're putting folks in charge of your marketing teams. I'm sure there are more than five takeaways from this episode. So if you have something you want to discuss or another insight that you gathered from this conversation, make sure to continue the conversation with us on social media. LinkedIn is where Manufacturing Happy Hour is most active, but feel free to hit us up on Twitter and Instagram as well. You can find Corey and you can find Stag Beer over on all of those platforms too. I will make sure to link up to every social media platform. You can connect with us over at the show notes at Manufacturing Happy Hour. If you enjoyed today's episode or if you've been enjoying the show in general, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review for Manufacturing Happy Hour over at iTunes. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes to be taken directly to the Apple podcast platform on your iPhone or on your desktop. Your feedback means the world. It allows us to keep creating good content and it helps put the show on the map. With that, thank you so much for being a listener of Manufacturing Happy Hour. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation with Corey today. We have more great content coming your way. So stay innovative, stay thirsty, and we look forward to grabbing a drink again with you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.